welcome back to the episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. As always, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. That's our podcast account. You can find the main Five Reasons Sports account on Twitter at the number Five Reasons Sports. And you can find the podcast online at shulabowlpod.podbean.com. It is September 3rd, 2020. It's been a long, tumultuous, confusing, strange offseason. Uh, you know, I, I forget offseason, just a strange time in general we're all going through. But guess what? Football was actually played. The first game of the 2020 college ball season was Central Arkansas and Austin P. And it looks, for the time being, that there will be a FIU football game on September 26th at Liberty. I'm Eric Henry, FIU beat writer for SB Nation Underdog Dynasty. Joined, as always, when we're talking all things FIU by... FIU super fan, my man, and FIU grad student. I want to congratulate him on that as a fellow, um, or I shouldn't say fellow, he's not there yet, but as someone who has a master's degree and he, my, my guy's pursuing one, uh, FIU master's student, Mr. David Hondell. David, how's it going, my man? Good, good. I appreciate <laughs> that shout out, and it, it feels good to be back. I feel like I haven't been on one of these, and it, it, you know, it, it feels good to be back. And that football, thank God, is, is, is looking to be good for now. David, really quick, I asked this to Shane when we did the FAU pod, and I also said this to my co-host on the Underdog Dynasty Conference USA podcast. I'm just wondering from your perspective, I know your brother, does he still go to Penn State? Yeah, he's in his final year. Okay, so I'm going to ask you how you feel, right? Because to me, I don't want to say it it feels like a damper kind of sort on a cultural ball season, but it does feel a little bit different. And I was racking my brains to why it feels different outside of the obvious reasons with Corona. I think because with college football, and you can you know spare me your FIU fans jokes for a second, FAU fans who are listening, we know you guys are out there. Um, with college football, so much of it isn't even that you have to be a fan of football, like in terms of the NFL. I think college football is all about just throwing on your school's colors and going to tailgate and gathering with a bunch of you know your friends that you went to college with and you know having beer or whatever it may be or your sorority sisters, whatever it may be, right? Especially in Chicago, that being Big Ten country was huge. You know, on Saturdays, you'd go out to your bar, Wrigley, and if it was an Iowa bar or Iowa State bar or Ohio State, whatever it may be. It just kind of feels because there's the uncertainty around whether or not there'll be tailgating allowed, whether or not, you know, you can go to your favorite bar and watch a game. Do things feel a little bit different for that because of that reason? Yeah, uh, especially for him. I mean, I, I know he he obviously hates it because of the fact that all these other schools are going to be able to play, especially, you know, FIU's being able to play. And yeah. he's, uh, he's like, like, what what world do I live in that FIU's playing football and Penn State isn't? But he's, I mean, it's just the entire atmosphere of what's going on right now just makes it weird. And the fact that, like like you said, people like to gather together and even watch like away games with their friends, that's going to look a lot different too. So it is weird, but I think that having football back is, you know, like how the NBA being back, it's it's kind of making things feel a little bit normal. Um, and it's at least, you know, keeping people's minds off uh, some crazy things that are happening. No, no, most definitely. Most definitely. I just I just want to throw that out there because I know for me, one of the things I like to do on a bye week whenever FIU is on a bye is just go, whether it's check out the UCF game or get it with some of my friends who are USF fans or whatever it may be. So it just does feel a little bit awkward. I Typically, you know, I, I made that trip up to Boca last year to watch the FAU Western Kentucky game at Irishman We're with, up there with Shane. So, you know, I typically I would do that on a bye week or if I get out of FIU um the press box in time so hopefully things will get back to normal and like you say can take our minds off of 
the uh, you know things that are going on around us. But hey, positive podcast. We've got football season preview. You guys have your questions. Um, let me start off with this, David. Like you said, it's been a while since you've been on this podcast. So overall thoughts, man. Off season. Um, I think the last pod we may have done may have been, you know, in terms of getting in the X's and O's and nuances of football, may have been signing day. So since then, you know, a couple additions to the team. How do you feel? Um, quarterback wise, you know, team in general, just what is David Hondell's thoughts heading into 2020? I am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, but I'm, I'm still very excited about what this, the potential that this team has. Uh, I mean, the offense, I think, you know, obviously we have a huge question mark at quarterback right now. And it's kind of, it reminds me of the 2018 season when we had Morgan and Christian Alexander battling it out. I think it's going to be very similar to that, like splitting reps, um, seeing who's really going to take that leap forward as as our starting quarterback. But whoever that guy is, I am excited because we have. I think we have so many weapons on this offense and are basically, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure almost everybody on the offensive line is coming back. And, you know, they started off a little shaky last year, but they really got into the groove toward the end. And I, I'm very excited to what they're going to be able to do this season. We've got, obviously, the guy that I've been, I've been telling, I think, everybody about and I think yeah, we we both know who that is. It's J.J. Holloman, who I'm not even – this is like a statement. I think he's the best player in Conference USA right now. Um, no one should be able to stop this guy. And he's going to be, you know, partnered up with Bryce Singleton, who we know has that big play potential, great receiver, who has been bit, like bitten by the injury bug a bit. But, you know, if we get a full season of him, I think our receive, receivers are probably the best in the conference. Uh, the, the the Shamar Thornton loss is does hurt a bit um, because he did have his breakout year last year, but I'm still confident in the weapons we have and our running backs too. Devontae Price is coming back. I expect huge things from Flex Joseph. And yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just super excited about the offense. And then on the defensive side, I mean, we've we have the addition of Tyson Mavea, who I think is going to he's not. I think I think he's going to take that Sage Lewis role. And I'm very excited to see what he can do. Um, DB-wise, I think we're still one of the top teams when it comes to DBs with the Dames Bros coming back, Dorian Hall, Josh Turner. We just got uh, Henry Gray. Um, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm super excited. I mean, the biggest question mark, again, on the defense is going to be the run defense. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. But, you know, overall, I'm, I'm very, very excited for this team. And I think the... You know, I think the sky's the limit with, you know, some question marks that hopefully go our way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll touch on a couple of things you you uh you kind of threw out there as far as the the offensive line goes. You are correct. Pretty much everyone is back except for, you know, Dallas Connell, who was obviously, a, you know, kind of a um, guard, guard center, kind of a, you know, hardworking guy. Um, he's not here. Uh, Shaquille Williams, both uh, Connell and Williams graduated and also Devontae Taylor transferred to fsu so i mean three guys and don't get me wrong those are three conference usa starters Devonte taylor will probably now Devonte love taylor let me make sure i credit him correctly probably be a starting right tackle in the acc so i mean we did lose a little bit on the offensive line but um we did gain people on the offensive line i i see you've got me saying we here we go FIU <laughs> gained people damn it fiu gained people on the offensive line you talk about dante keys who by i i may want to make sure that we talk about him because he's someone who was really graded at the FCS level to be a potential NFL draft prospect. And if you can get him in and get him going at, at FIU, 
look out. Um, another guy, keep an eye on who I didn't mention, and I, I promise I won't let, uh, ramble too long because I want to get into our questions. But um, Obiano Nakino, I'm gonna mess up his name. I'm gonna get his name right correct uh, eventually. Um, do you even know who I'm talking about, David? When I when I say that name, I actually do not. No, I'd, yeah, I'd love to yeah, hear about him. You, you, no worries. He transferred in last year from FAMU. Was a starter at FAMU at the um, FCS level, historically black college, and was a walk on. Didn't didn't see any time last year, and I had a chance actually to speak to Butch Davis earlier today, and he was awarded a scholarship. I don't know if you caught the video, David, of the two guys um, who were the walk-ons who were awarded scholarships. You saw that on Twitter, yeah. That, yeah. So it was uh, Nikolai Jagai and Obiano Nakino. I'm gonna get those names right. I'm sorry, guys. Um, Nick Nick Jagai was a transfer. Did walk on, end up being a walk-on from Northern Iowa. He was awarded a scholarship. He's going to get some time in the secondary. And uh, Obiano is someone who transferred from FAMU, two-year starter there. Butch Davis said that he's going to get some time in the offensive line rotation. So you can take that uh, for what it's worth. You mentioned Henry Gray. I think that's huge. He is eligible immediately. Four-star guy. Definitely going to make going to be able to make up some of the uh, lost production there from Stanley Thomas Oliver and Ike Brown. So a lot of things to be excited about. And by all, uh, you know, without further ado, I want to make sure we get into these Twitter questions because I'm looking at the clock here and uh, I will end up rambling for another 20 minutes if I keep going. So let's get, get into these Twitter questions. And uh, what do you got first, David? What do you want to start off with? Well, actually, I, I actually had a, f- a couple questions for oh, you. No, 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 oh, oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> I, see, I'm all through. I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm excited for football. I'm getting it's uh, for those of you listening at home. It is 734. We are 25 minutes away from the UAB game. So I am pump full of coffee right now. You can probably hear the energy in my voice. David, what do you got for me? Well, because, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier about, you know, the loss of Shamar Thornton. I was wondering yeah. which – is there a receiver that's like caught – that you think is going to take that step and take his role? The answer – for his role, the answer is going to be Bryce Singleton. We know that J.J. is going to be the one. That yeah. was going to be regardless whether Shamar was healthy or not. And something I want to mention about the receivers really quickly – is by all means, uh, by no means am I trying to slide the receivers when I say this. Um, I don't think I'm even mentioning this in a story. Out of all group of five teams last year, David, do you know which receiving core led that unit, that that group, in drops? I'm going I'm to have to guess FIU here, but I'm mm-hmm. hoping not. Your FIU had 39 drop passes last year. 36 credit to James Morgan, the other three credit to Kalen Wiggins. So... By no means am I saying, oh, Shamar dropped a ton of passes. What I am saying is that there's room for improvement. And as good as – look at it as a, as a glass half full thing. As good as we think the receiving core did last year with guys like Tony Gator, Maurice Alexander, Shamar Thornton, et cetera, there's room to, for growth. Now, to answer your question specifically, specifically, I think it's going to be Bryce. Uh, if he is healthy, you know, Bryce, we know the catch that he made against FA, FAU uh, two years ago kind of like a highlight Odell Beckham type catch. So we know that he's capable of making great plays. Now, beyond that, you got to look at the Nate Jefferson, Xavier McGriffs. Unfortunately, Teddy Richardson was injured as well during camp. It looks like he's going to miss either the entire season, if not um, if not the beginning of the year, probably the entire season. So we'll see what happens as that goes. I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on because JJ and Bryce are excellent receivers. Nate Jefferson's unproven. And Xavier McGriff is unproven as well. Chris Mitchell, another three-star kid who came in last year, red-shirted. So we'll see what happens. But I think that's going to be key because as anyone who's watched FAU, I knew it was going to happen. Anyone who's watched FIU play last year, 
um, knows that a lot of the sets are three and four receiver sets. So you're going to have to have receivers. Um, we'll see what happens as far as that goes. Also keep an eye on Caleb Lynham, who switched from quarterback to receiver. Let's see if he can make that switch similar to Maurice did in 2018. And we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's going to be kind of, as far as filling Shamar's production, it's going to be receiver by committee. But this is what I would say for FIU fans. If you go back and, you know, we'll touch on the quarterbacks in a little bit. If you look at when Max Bortenschlager started the nine games at Maryland, they had a receiver by the name of DJ Moore, who was with the Carolina Panthers. DJ Moore was by far the number one and number two option. And that's not to slight Bryce, but I think in this offense with the talent level of JJ Holloman in relation to Conference USA, JJ should see 100 targets. And, and, and that's with a nine game schedule. He should see 100 <laughs> targets. So. No, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I, I, I don't think I've, I've been this excited about a player like ever. <laughs> it, uh-huh. just, this guy has so much promise and I'm pumped. But before we do get into Twitter, there's one guy that I did forget to mention that I'm actually super excited for, and it's uh, DeAndre Christmas Giles from Texas. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, super pumped. It's another four-star guy like Henry Gray, and uh, you know I'm just just another guy that on defense that I really think is gonna you know help us out. So, but with that being said, we will move on to the Twitter questions. Uh, first comes from Pike Danny Danny Dennis. He asks. What reason, if any, do FIU fans have to believe that the rushing defense will be improved this season? That is a <laughs> interesting question. It's a good question. It's an interesting question. Quite frankly, I have gotten to the point where I've stopped asking Butch Davis that question because I think both he and I need a break from it <laughs> in terms of his answers and me asking it. Not to say that, you know, he's answered in a way that's been rude or anything like that. I mean, you know, he gets tired of answering the question when you give up 471 yards to Middle Tennessee or 350 to Tulane, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the best way I can answer that question, Danny. There isn't one. And I don't mean that to sound pessimistic. The only thing you can depend on is that the players who are on the roster, because that's what you're bringing back, have improved. Now, here's where the effects of the coronavirus really, you know, step up here. There's going to be a lot of sloppy football in the early going. I, David, I'm sure you saw the Central Arkansas Austin P game. That first half was pretty sloppy. You <laughs> it know? was brutal. Um, when you haven't had a full spring and you haven't been able to really throw the pads on and those guys got rushed, you know, in terms of their timeline, you're going to see a lot of sloppy football. I, I, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, it's all going to be up to DeAndre Christmas Giles. But it's really going to be put you this way. Damon Moore came in last year and he was a rotational guy. Christmas Giles is going to have to be more than a rotational guy up uh, through the, up the middle, along with Rashad Colson, along with Andrew Tarver. If Noah Curtis can step up and play well against the run, maybe he's a guy who can slide inside and defensive tackle and play more at that defensive tackle spot. I can't say this for certain because I haven't seen practice. I think that could be something that could be positive. Um, um, Kevin Oliver is the team's highest graded run defender. If you look at the pro football folks numbers, so you can't really take him off the field, but yeah, man, Danny, I'm, I'm trying not to be pessimistic here, but there isn't really a solid answer to say, Hey, they've done this. So that will be better. Cause I'd be lying to you. Cause it's the same thing we talked about entering 2019. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm it's funny because I'm, I'm excited about, the D line in in respect to the pass rush, 
I'm, I'm super pumped to see a full season of Alexi, John Baptiste, and Whitaker. But the run defense is, I'm with you. It's just, until I see it, I, I, I'm, it's almost like I won't, I won't believe it. Exactly. I mean, I, I promise we'll, we'll transition from that question, but I've been sitting here telling you guys what the coaches have said, right? Fundamentals, technique. David, how many times have you heard me say that? The coach says fundamentals, fundamentals and technique. Um, <laughs> at this point, it's been two years. So, you know, hey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we will move on. All right. This one comes from our guy, Damani Reed. So he asked, who do you think will get the RB1, CB1, and QB1 nod? And how prepared do you think FIU is for the season? All right. Um, how prepared are they for the season? As prepared as every team going through this is? I, to be, And I'm not trying to be flipping with the question. I just don't think that they can be any more prepared than any other Conference USA team or any college football team in general that's going through the this pandemic. Um, when I spoke to Butch Davis, the last presser, I want to say that was almost two weeks ago, almost, maybe about 10, 11 days ago, he mentioned that he wasn't even going to get the guys in pads until Saturday. So I believe last Saturday was the first time the guys actually lined up in pads and you know were doing physical drills. Uh, I'm sorry, Damani. I'm trying not to not to you know be flippant, but they're as prepared as any other team. I in a normal year, I could say, hey, you know, they've got their quarterback set, they've got this set, they've got that set. But all these teams are really going through it, so you know they're as prepared as any other team. As far as the cornerback one, I mean, I think you're going to see a Dames there, whether that's Rashard or Richard. I would expect it to be Richard Dames at cornerback. Um, excuse me, Rashard Dames at cornerback and Richard Dames at safety. Behind him is going to be Josh Turner, and then I think you're going to have Henry Gray, who will be in. And look, keep an eye on Jamal Anderson and Jason Walker. Those are two cornerbacks who, quite frankly, if they played at any other program, as far as the G5 level, they probably would have seen more significant playing time. But because of the fact that they played behind two NFL corners, they mostly played on special teams. Uh, we had RB1 and QB1. RB1 is going to be Devontae Price. That's set in stone. No problem there. And when Devontae is healthy, you know this, David, when Devontae Price is healthy, he arguably was one of the best backs in Conference USA going down the stretch in 2018. So they're set there. They'll fill in with Flex Joseph, Sean Peterson, Demarcus Townsend, Malik Williams. I expect Malik Williams probably be the RB2, but again, I haven't seen a practice, so don't hold me to that. As far as quarterback, I almost feel bad in the fact that in my quarterback preview I wrote, I, there's a section there where I say projected starter in bold. I wrote that with the anticipation that we get a chance to go see practice and we can know who's working with the ones. Cause that's kind of your tell, right? Whoever's working with the first string, whoever's getting most of the reps, you can kind of tell that's going to be your, your QB one. I haven't seen a practice yet. So what I'm going to say is based on the Intel that I was given when Max Bortenschlager came in and when it was confirmed that he had been with the team and, you know, had graduated from Maryland and all of that. The intel I was given was that Max Bordenschlager should be the starter. Again, with that being said, I have not seen a practice. So I, I just want to say that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, so I would say that Max Bordenschlager, by all accounts, and here's what else, I'll, I'll end it on this, David. You don't really transfer as a grad guy without some sort of reassurance that you're going to have every opportunity to win the job. You can talk about James Morgan in 2018. You know, there's a, a myriad of examples around college football, but by no means I, I'm not counting out Stone Norton, not counting out Kalen Wiggins. Uh, I haven't seen a practice, so I don't feel comfortable saying X will be QB one when we line up at 
um, Liberty. And it wouldn't shock me to be quite honest if it's a two man rotation for a time being. Yeah, that, that's what, that's what I'm leaning towards. Um, I am with you. A P five guy doesn't transfer to us without the expectation of playing, but I do think it, we're going to see a QB rotation at least for the first couple weeks. But actually, so this next question, you just answered the first part. It's from Rick Sierra. He's asking, I'd like to know your thoughts on the QB taking over the season. But the second part of the question is, do you think there are going to be any adjustments made to the playbook? Okay, yes. Yeah, so I guess I touched on that first one. Adjustments to the playbook, I do not see any. Now, here's what I'll say. Obviously, if Stone Norton or Max Bordenschlager is the starter, the offense is going to look a little bit different than if Kalen Wiggins is the starter. That's just a fact, right? Based on their skill sets, the skill set that Max and Kay- and Max and Stone have, uh, they're more traditional pocket passers. They're different than Kalen Wiggins, who's going to look to break the pocket, uses legs. With that being said, Rich Skrowski runs what he runs. So, in terms of changes from last year, I wouldn't anticipate any. What I would like to see, if I were an FIU fan, is I'd say this. And I wonder if you notice this as well, David. I would say getting around towards the end of the season, if my memory is serving me correct, after the either the middle or the Old Dominion game. So really the Miami game in particular, it felt to me like there was a lot more shotgun four receiver sets as opposed to maybe some of the um, three receiver sets with double tight ends and excuse me, double tight ends and a lot of the the multiple backs. That's not to say you won't see those, but personally, I wouldn't mind seeing FIU. Now, of course, they're down a couple of receivers, so that's going to tinker what you can do there. I wouldn't mind seeing FIU go a little more to the four receiver set as often, Um, but that would be the only change, really. As far as the offense goes, Rich Grosky's offense is Rich Grosky's offense. He said it to me verbatim. Yeah, (laughs) literally, he said this verbatim. Eric, you know my offense. I'm not out there trying to run a 1,000 plays. I'm trying to run a hundred plays really well to perfection. So there you go. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I I don't see us changing unless it's obviously with depending on which quarterbacks in. But all right, so this next one comes from FIUJM, and he asks, "Seems like we're loaded at DB. I think we got at least four stars at the position. Who do you think are the players at that position that will have a breakout season?" First guy I'm keeping an eye on is Dorian Hall. The fact that he, for the past two years, has been not necessarily in a platoon role because FIU does typically play. Um, for those who, who don't know, FIU typically plays five DBs. You'll only usually see two linebackers on at a time, which are going to be you know typically your Mike, your Mike linebacker, which was Sage Lewis, and then your other linebacker, which was Jamal Gates, or your Sam linebacker, or your weak side linebacker. And that's because a lot of the teams in Conference USA play spread. So you got to line up, you got to counter with a nickel. So a lot of times you would see five linebackers, despite the fact that the um, depth chart may read a 4-3, it's usually a 4-2-5. Dorian Hall has been in kind of that non-starter role. The safeties were always uh, Olin Cushion, you know, was starting in that main role. The fact that Dorian's going to get full-time starting, uh, his numbers, those snaps, are going to be tremendous. So I'm expecting him to be quite honest. I would be surprised if he's not a first or second team all CUSA performer. He's always highly rated by pro football focus as one of the best DBs, the range he plays with David. I mean, you always see him tall, lanky kind of DB at six, four, about two Oh five, two ten. but he has great speed and his range coverage range, 
ball hawk. And the amount of times he's always near the ball, interceptions, things of that nature. So Dorian Hall, I mentioned these two guys before, Jason Walker and Jamal Anderson. Now the fact that they'll be able to fill in as the nickel and dime cornerbacks, I'm expecting to see more from them. And Henry Gray, let's see what happens with him. I mean, the fact that he was a four-star recruit, he is the highest signed recruit in FIU history. Now, granted, it came from Nebraska, but all in all, he's here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do against Conference USA competition, but the names I would keep an eye on, Dorian Hall, uh, Jason Walker, and Jamal Anderson. Got it. I do got to give a special shout-out to the Dames twins, the Dames brothers, because, oh, I mean, they've just been consistently great, and and I, I think they're going to you know have a great season as well. But also to add on to 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 JM's point, he also asks, uh, can we talk about the punter? He will be strong this year for us. Do you agree? Let's show the special team some love. Sure. And really quick, just to finish up on that, on that uh, defensive back point, I'm just looking at pro football focus right here. Dorian Hall was actually the highest graded defensive back for FIU last year. So just to show you, um, and it looks like he had 654 snaps. So it wasn't even a full-time starter, but grayed out really well. Tommy Heatherly did a hell of a job. I was, did, was, kind of hard on Tommy after the first few weeks because the fact of the matter was this. David, you were there at Tulane. Uh, Tommy shanked a couple punts. Mm-hmm. He, he had a couple poor, t- you know, those first two or three weeks were a bit of a growing period for him. And Coach Davis said it best. He said that, you know, he may have thought that a guy who came from a small junior college in Oklahoma, maybe the bright lights were a little too much for him, uh, especially that nationally, um, or not nationally televised, but, you know, opening night at Tulane. But Tommy Heatherly, in my mind, I was surprised that he didn't make a um, I, he didn't make an honorable mention as far as Conference USA, as far as the preseason predictions. Don't think he made one as far as pro football focus, uh, if my memory serves me correct. So Tommy's got a strong leg. He has, in my I think the kid from Western Kentucky, John Haggerty, or whatever his name is. I'm I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the punter's name right now, but he made the first team for conference USA. Tommy Heatherly is a better punter in my mind. There's no doubt about that. So Tommy will do a great job. He'll do a great job with kickoffs. And the big thing will be hit for him is just consistency. We can't have the shanks, but by all means, Tommy's a great punter. Awesome. Actually, this is not even a question from someone on Twitter, but I'm actually curious. Yeah. Who, who's our, who's our starting kicker right now since uh, the departure of Borgales? Again, I hate to keep repeating this. I haven't seen a practice, so, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, but to answer your question, David, it's going to be Chase Gabriel. I would be surprised. I would be shocked, too. Something that FIU fans, I didn't even harp on this enough, and I feel like I should have harped on it more throughout the offseason. It wasn't until about a couple of weeks ago that there were only two specialists on the roster. And I know, you know, for those of you listening, might be like, why is that important? Well, especially with the coronavirus, if one of your punters goes down or one of the kickers goes down, <laughs> you're only down to one specialist to do all the roles. Now, they did bring in a kid, Josiah Jean, from Alcorn State. He'll be the third um, kicker. He'll be the backup kicker and punter. But, uh, yeah, it'll be Chase Gabriel. It, I can't see. Gene did not kick at all at Alcorn State. He was a guy, quite frankly, if my research is correct, he only ran track. So Chase Gabriel would be the kicker. Got it. All right. And our final question from the Twitter replies is from none other than my pops, Eddie Handel who asks, Eric, who won the overall transfer portal battle between FIU and FAU? And how about who won in CUSA? That's actually a really good question. Um, As far as FAU and FIU, and and I mean, because I'm going to say FAU, 
don't take it as an as an indictment on FIU. I mean, it's just kind of how it fills out as far as needs within the transfer portal. FAU needed a ton of receivers, and they did. They they got uh, this kid Aaron Young from Duke. They got TJ Chase, who was a former five star all world recruit coming out of Plant City High School nearby me in Tampa. From uh, he he went to Clemson, transferred from Clemson to FAU. Um, who am I missing? They got TJ Chase. They got a couple other guys as well that I'm, I may be missing off the top of my head as far as the transfer portal goes. But specifically, those two guys are receiver. Really, um, oh, they got Michael Irvin. There we go. That Mike Michael Irvin, uh, the second from Miami. So yeah, they did well in the transfer portal. But there was no real reason for FIU. Um, I mean, I guess you could say defensive line, but they got DeAndre Christmas Giles. You can only get what's available to you. You know, and the coronavirus made it difficult to really get out there. And for a lot of um, a lot of programs made it difficult to really get out there and use a transfer portal. So I would say that FAU won. That's not to say that FIU didn't fill a need. They got DeAndre Christmas Giles and, and Max Bortenschlager as well. Um, as far as Conference USA goes, I would be a l- little partial probably to FAU just based on need. If you look at Western Kentucky, they got Tyrell Pigram. They got a quarterback. Um, actually was a teammate of Max Bortenschlager's in Maryland. If you look at Rice, they got Mike Collins, who was a quarterback at TCU. Um, that They needed a quarterback. So I'd be partial to FAU. I just, I'm looking around at just off the top of my head here as far as the rest of the Conference USA landscape. A lot of people got quarterbacks. Um, they, they, they have quarterback battles going on right now, but they didn't necessarily hit the portal. So uh, I would give it to FAU just based on the fact that at receiver, they only had they had John Mitchell and Willie Wright coming back, but the, for that offense, they really needed four receivers. So to get Aaron Young and TJ Chase was huge. To get Michael Urban to replace Harrison Bryant and John Rain was huge. So yeah, that I would say FAU overall. Got it. And I, I've I've just got one final question for myself. Uh, for those for those who haven't checked out Eric's article on his power rankings of FIU opponents, go check that out at Underdog Dynasty. But for those who haven't read yet, who is the, the opponent that you're most afraid of going into the season? No, I, first off, I appreciate the plug. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to look at it when, when looking at the at the uh, at the rundown. I think Liberty is going to be one that you really got to keep an eye on, uh, especially in terms of starting the season, David. That's where I, where I think it's key, because for the Panthers, the past three straight years, or excuse me, the past two straight years they've began the season with a loss. I think for FIU, if they can come out there, and Liberty's a good team. They were an eight-win team last year. That is a very good FBS uh, team. So if they can come out and open at Liberty with a win, I think that's going to be huge. Uh, outside of that, I mean, I, I, once again, I just think that's the uh, that's the major one that you really got to – I mean, Charlotte, you know Charlotte's going to be tough, right? You always know Charlotte's going to be tough. So, And especially the fact they have Chris Reynolds back. They have Victor Tucker back. They've got guys on defense. They have a thousand yard rusher who transferred in from Northern Illinois, a guy named Trey Harbison. So if you can, uh, if you can stop him, that'll be tough. And especially because of the fact that FIU has actually beaten Charlotte the past two years, despite the fact that Benny LeMay has just gone nuts, you know? So I, so I think that's, um, that's something you got to keep an eye on. FAU, listen, and, and I'll take on this Twitter question. I, I know you may have seen it late, there was a question from our guy. I think his name is uh, Night Owl on uh, on Twitter. The one who said, has it really been 1,400 days since FIU's beaten FAU? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has. And guess what? 
if FIU's run defense doesn't improve, it'll be another 400 days. I only mentioned that question in specificity because Lane Kiffin was not shy about making a big point about it's always fun when we beat. <laughs> I shouldn't mock Lane Kiffin. I'm sorry. He did, his <laughs> voice is so monotone. Um, <laughs> Lane Kiffin was saying that, uh, you know, it's, it's always fun when you beat your rival. And we think we hope that recruits notice it. And of course, he's no longer the coach there. But he made a point of, of emphasis in his, in his press conference that, hey, it's been, you know, three years since they've beaten us. And it'll be another 365 days till they beat us or till they have the chance to beat us. So, uh, yeah, it has been 1400 days, but you can't discount FAU as an opponent as well. Because Malcolm Davidson is one of the best running backs in Conference USA football. So you got to take a look at that. Um, I mean, outside of that, you know, Marshall's always a rivalry. It's always a tough game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I would think Marshall, your toughest games are going to be Marshall, Liberty, and Charlotte, in in my opinion. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. Middle Tennessee, I don't want to say that was a fluke last year, David, uh, because 471 rushing yards is a lot. Asher O'Hara is a really good quarterback. But that was a hell of a rainstorm that happened in the second half, you know. Uh, no excuse for the poor defense, but uh, yeah, I think Middle Tennessee is going to be a much easier game. And then, of course, Western Kentucky, I think, was the team I had first as far as the power rankings are concerned. A, FIU didn't beat them last year, and B, that defense is really, really, really good. It's going to come down to whether or not they get the quarterback situation strained out with pig room. So, yeah, I, I would say in, in order, I would go Western Kentucky, Liberty, Marshall, and then Charlotte. All right. Well, that's it. That's it for questions. I, Eric, I know you're, but I, this, this episode like just has me more pumped for football season, man. I'm so excited and so happy that we have it back. No, man. Absolutely. I mean, as you can tell in my voice, I am pumped up. I am excited. We are two minutes away at 7:58 from the start of that UAB game. I've never been this excited for a UAB game, UAB game in my life, David. <laughs> um, I'm just excited to watch conference USA football. Um, but yeah, man, overall, I mean, is there anything else you want to, you want to touch on? I think the only point that I would add, uh, as far as guys to keep an eye on, definitely want to see how Sterling Palmer rebounds from last year. Uh, if you look at the numbers, Sterling's catches dropped by five, I believe he went from 27 to 22 and five or six of those catches came in the bowl game. So Sterling really didn't have a great year receiving and by no fault of his own, what happened was while he saw the same amount of snaps that he did as a freshman, FIU worked in Cameron Williams more. And that just was what happened. So, you know, when you see Cameron and David, David O'Mara, between the two of them, they only had three, three or four total. I think it's four reception. I think Cameron had three catches for 27 yards. O'Mara had one catch for zero yards. So they only had four receptions total. And when you look at the actual numbers, um, uh, Sterling Palmer on pass pl- uh, on plays that Sterling Palmer played. I want to get this right. 180 of them were pass plays between Cameron Williams and David O'Mara. Only something like 25 or 30 of them were pass plays when they were there. So, you know, for a fact that when you see uh, O'Mara and Williams, they're in for run blocking purposes. Now, can guy, can a guy like Joe Hawker, who was a red shirt freshman came in from Cincinnati, Ohio um, was hurt, banged up at the beginning of the year if he can come in and be a receiving threat, David, if you can add another 6'5", 240-pound body next to Sterling Palmer at 6'6", 230, that just creates mismatches across the defense. And Drew Davis was adamant when I talked to him uh, after the FIU signing day that one of the things they want to do is come back with more two tight end sets so they can create those mismatches. So I would say keep an eye on those guys. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else we're missing here. Jean-Baptiste Whitaker. 
those guys, they, uh, Alexi Jean-Baptiste led the team in sacks and tackles for loss and didn't play the entire season. So what can he do with an entire year? We'll see what happens. Chris Whitaker, I would expect to see him definitely on the defensive line, but also in, excuse me, also on passing downs. Look for him to stand up at linebacker because if you can put him at linebacker, Jean-Baptiste and, um, and another rush end at the defensive ends, and then you can put Noah Curse and Kevin Oliver on the defensive tackles, you've got a really good pass rushing unit right there. So I think that could be key. I'm trying to think there's anyone else. Uh, we've talked about the running back, Sean Peterson Jr. Definitely excited to see what he can do as far as being a bigger back. Malik Williams, we know what he could do uh, as far as his, his caliber come from Arkansas. I think dropping down, playing against Conference USA competition, being fully healthy will be key. And he and Devontae Price were high school teammates. So how about that? The roles were actually flipped. Devontae Price was Malik Williams' backup at high school. Now it looks like uh, Price could be the starter. Malik Williams could be the backup in college. So see what happens there. But yeah, all in all, definitely excited for football, man. All right, man. So yeah, so with that being said, we are all excited for football. And first off, David, uh, I know we're closing up. It's nice to hear your voice again, man. Do you want to come around more often? <laughs> I'll try. You know, as a master's student, you know, my, my time's limited. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to be around all season, baby. David, what if, well, well, hey, hold on. You say you're going to be around all season, yet you missed the crucial games last year. I digress. Um, David, what are you going to be doing pregame, man? Because uh, typically you can find Mr. Hondale. I always go visit him at the FIU alumni tailgate. Uh, always a great place to be. I'm going to do the, the plug here for FIU alumni. Maybe they can give me some free food or something. But, uh, yeah, man, where are you going to be for uh, if fans are allowed? Like, what's uh, fill me in, man. What's, what's the plan? Well, um, if fans are allowed, I mean, I know, I know alumni, we're not doing any tailgates. We're not allowed to do any tailgates or host any, you know, events. Gotcha. So I will def if fans are allowed, I will be the first one on the stands that, that <laughs> I will tell you right now. Um, and especially now that they're, they're saying that, that they're going to let in students first or oh, like, right. You're going to get the student, student benefit. I'm a, exactly. I'm a student again. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get that benefit. So I'm, I'm super excited for that, and I'm, and I'm, I hope we get more word on, you know, how many people they're going to let into the games or if they're going to do that. But you know, if they do, I will be there. So, <laughs> all right. It's now now that I know that David will be first, because typically I'd always try to catch up with David pregame. But you know, he was always like, "Man, I got to finish up the alumni tailgate and then I'll go inside." So, uh, yeah. Now that you'll be a student, I will catch up with you pregame. But with that being said, I will go ahead and close it up as always. You can find this podcast on Twitter at shulabopod on Twitter. You can find us online at shulabopod.podbean.com. Uh, you can find uh, Five Reasons account, the number five reason sports, your home for all things South Florida sports. Check us out. And yeah, you can find David on Twitter. David, what's your Twitter? Mr. Hondel321. I should know that off the top of my head. I didn't know if it was Mr. underscore or Mr., but Mr. Hondel321. He is a all things football, all things movies. He is a, a certified cinephile. So yeah. uh, you can find get his, uh, his, his uh, input on that there. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Thank you for listening. Uh, the only way we can grow this, this, this podcast is with feedback. So please feel free to leave us a review. Let us know we're doing good, bad, or otherwise. Thank you for listening. And it's almost football season, guys. Let's do this. Pause up. <laughs>